and welcome to another episode of EMP Sports brought to you on the What Sports Network. This is your host, Mike Jones, here with you today, joined by Flip Ramey. What it do? Playoff time, baby. Excited. The real stuff is starting today. Uh, we got through all that play in tournaments. One bit of a surprise, one or a couple really good games. Uh, overall, what was your impression of the play-in tournament? Uh, I liked it, man. I liked it. I uh, was kind of confused for a little bit, like earlier in the season, trying to figure out exactly how it worked. Um, but I had fun with it. I had fun watching it. Uh, you know, last night's game was kind of the crown of things. Uh, pretty pretty entertaining. More, uh, more things on the line, more stakes for these guys to have to battle through, battle around. The two best games of the play-in tournament both involved Golden State. Uh, Golden State getting beat by the Lakers in the first uh, first game of the play-in with LeBron hitting that game-winning shot where he, um, I guess at this point, kind of famously shot for the middle basket, uh, doing LeBron things, playing things up. Yeah, I found but, it cool. Oh, yes, very much so. And then the overtime game last night, the biggest surprise of the play-in tournament, in my opinion at least, Memphis Grizzlies upsetting the Golden State Warriors to secure that eighth seed and a first-round matchup with the Utah Jazz, the number one seed in the West. Uh, Yeah, it was a, it was a great game. I didn't should have seen it coming but i didn't see it coming you know it's a one-man team out there versus a five-man team and uh, i guess we just overvalued that steph curry thing i mean it was incredible last night but they can yes. pull it out it and you're talking about a one-man team uh kind of we'll get to the utah series in a moment but it does kind of set up for a better series i feel like against utah than what golden state utah would have been i think it's a better matchup but i digress here let's get started with the most exciting series for me personally and that's just because of my rooting interest the denver nuggets taking on the portland trailblazers trailblazers probably the closest matchup really in the first round here especially with the nuggets not having jamal murray yeah um I don't know, man. I, I still think the Nuggets can get it done. It's it's just a it's it's kind of a bad matchup because we don't have our backcourt and they have their backcourt. Their front court's kind of I mean, once they lose Nurkic, they're kind of weak. But as long as Nurkic is in there, they're kind of okay. Clearly, we got the MVP here. Um, I think that was kind of solidified last night. But um, yeah, you can't really yeah. win the MVP and not even make the playoffs. Yeah, no, it's tough to do that. And I felt <laughs> like they were really trying to give them the MVP like the last six days like i felt like the steph curry praise was coming but you know back to the nuggets man i uh this i've got the nuggets winning in six i think it's i think it's gonna be some close entertaining games neither one of us are great on all on defense it's a super power i think we're both like top six offense right so i'm excited to watch it you know you say neither team is particularly good on defense uh nuggets in particular that second unit, especially after Jamal Murray went down, 
really underrated defensively. That core um, led by Millsap and Jamichael Green on the defensive end, along with Shaq Harrison coming in, who, you know, Shaq Harrison brings almost no offense, but he does bring really good defense to that second unit. It's a little slept on. Shaq Harrison might be a player who's kind of that unsung hero that can show up big in this series. Who's obviously we do not have Gary Harris, somebody who was big for us the first time we played him, which by the way, this is a matchup from two years ago when the trailblazers and the nuggets went to game seven, this version of the nuggets first four way into the postseason and came up short against Dame that time. We had Michael Porter Jr. that time. We did, but we he never played. Oh, yeah, I yeah. mean, that was his uh, redshirt year, if you will. Right. But we did have Jamal Murray, and we don't have Jamal Murray this time. Right. It, it's You mentioned it. We have the MVP, Nikola Jokic. He is the best player in this series, and I think, at least for this season, it's by a pretty decent margin over Dame. The second best player in this series it was where it gets a little interesting because, you know, you look at the playoff series and a lot of times it comes down to the best players. You know, it, it's, it becomes a little more individualized when it comes to the playoffs than what we see in the regular season. For yeah. your money, who is, who is the, I guess I'll say the third best player in this series because Dame's the second best. But has uh, MB- I would probably say it's MPJ. It's I mean it's tough because CJ's hit a lot of big shots. CJ's proven himself in the playoffs. I mean he yeah, that game seven we lost was was more about CJ than it was Dame. Um, I, I think I'm leaning towards MPJ, especially this year. CJ's kind of been injured. He's played well, but he's been injured. Michael Porter Jr.'s kind of had more. Uh, hate this word, but he's had more like momentum throughout the whole season. So uh, I'll give it to him this year for sure. So MPJ has had a bit of a breakout year this year on the season, 44 and a half percent from beyond the arc. He's averaging 19 points a game, but that is dragged down a little bit from the early on. Cause since Murray's been out, MPJ is averaging about 23 points a game. He's really stepped it up and taken on that sometimes primary scorer, role uh sometimes secondary because you do have Jokic but everybody who follows the Nuggets watches Jokic a lot realizes that he his go-to what he wants to do is not necessarily score it is set his teammates up and play that team brand of basketball right which I actually think that I I do think the Blazers game plan is probably going to be more geared towards staying home on the uh on the other players and making Jokic try to drop 50 which you know, he's capable of it, but I do think that's probably going to be their game plan. Um, I don't really think we got the best shooters right now out there. Not really Aaron Gordon. And I, I think Composo is a little better shooter than what his numbers say. Um, but yeah, these aren't our best shooting lineups. It's kind of being held together here by MPJ shootings. It's kind of funny. You bring up Faku. Faku is going to be huge in this series for a, a few reasons. One, he's probably going to be the starting point guard uh, matched up against Dame for a lot of this series. He's probably our best defender 
on ball like that uh, that we have right now. And he's like a gnat. Yeah. He also seems to always come up clutch. Uh, like if he's going to shoot a three and it's at the end of the game and it matters, I feel really good about it going in. It doesn't, it doesn't look great. Like you see it and you're like, how is that going to go in? Especially when he's shooting over some of these guys who are like a foot taller than him. But Faku will be huge in this series. Another guy who really needs to step up is going to be Aaron Gordon. We brought him in. When we brought him in, his role was pretty clearly defined. He was the defensive stopper. He was brought in for when we matched up against Kawhi, we matched up against LeBron, we matched up against Donkic. With Murray going down, his role and what we need from him is expanded. We need him to be a third option scoring, especially with Will Barton. Who knows if he's going to be playing in the series or not, or when he comes back. Right. You need Aaron Gorn to be better offensively than what he has been. And I think he is capable of doing that. He's not a knockdown dead eye shooter, but he is better than what he's been as a nugget. Uh, yeah. On the season, he's shooting only 26.6% from beyond the arc, which is low for his career average. Not by a lot, but that's ugly. you look at what he was doing before he joined the Nuggets uh, when he was definitely more of a primary option offensively. And he was shooting in the, I, I believe he was shooting in like the 36% range. I don't, I'm not sure if he's just not found his rhythm offensively with being that third scorer. Cause before Murray, it was pretty easy uh, offensively for him. Cause he was, he was in that dunker position a lot of the times. And really when you have MPJ, Jokic and Murray out there, Gordon, really good player, but that defense has a lot of, of other things on their plate. And Gordon, would get lost in the shuffle a lot more. Yeah, no, that happens. But I mean, look, I, I, there's going to come a point in at least two or three of these games where he's going to have to hit a corner three or, or the wing three, wherever he's at. I, I think the corner is kind of MPJ spot right now, but he's going to have to hit a three, man. He's going to have to hit a three, just like we needed Gary Harris, just like the Warriors needed Harrison Barnes to hit threes and he didn't, uh, just like they needed Andrew Wiggins last night to hit a three and he couldn't. Um, it, that it just comes a point again where you have to hit that wide open three that the defense is willing to give you because they're double teaming elsewhere. So we we're missing a lot of our backcourt. Obviously Jamal Murray is not coming back. Um, we did get Monte Morris back for like the last game of the season, but no word yet officially on Will Barton or PJ Dozier. Will Barton more for his offensive. Like you mentioned, we're missing shooters. But P.J. Dozier is another plus defender who actually can shoot to an extent, yeah, <laughs> unlike Shea Harrison. He, he's grown on me a lot, actually, this year. I um, Yeah, I, I like P.J. Dozier. So where, where, where are you going with this one, man? How are you feeling? I'm going to take Nuggets in seven. One, um, the, this iteration of the Nuggets have not played a series that hasn't gone seven yet. I don't think right. it's going to be a 3-1 comeback, but I do think this series is going going full seven. Is um, there... I would ask, 
one more surprise question. We we got Melo coming back. This is going to be his first playoff series against the old team. Let's see. How is that going to be Aaron Gordon's primary assignment, you think, Melo? I would say so because, you know, he's probably not the best matchup for Damon CJ. And you're not really so worried about Robert Covington, and he's probably just a little too small to be out there on Nurkic. I, I think he, you know, the Melo matchup is probably just the best, the default matchup yeah, for him. I mean, he will have impact against Dame and CJ, but it will be more in a help situation using his athleticism. It, it, this is an interesting series because there's not really that guy that you're like, oh, you go shut him down. He is a he is a problem. You're on him. See, Melo's averaging 13.4 points this season. You think he goes over that or under for the series? I think he goes over, but I also – I think he goes over, but his, the volume of shots he's going to be taking is going to be higher than his – his efficiency will go down, but his scoring will go up. Gotcha. That's what I'm going to okay. say. All right. There's yeah, a that. lot of ties between these teams. You just brought up Carmelo, obviously, started his career here in Denver. Uh, Nurkic started his career here in Denver. Denver. Uh, Barton started in Portland. There, there's a lot of ties between these teams, and it, it's going to be a really fun series. I, I, yeah, I think so, too. I actually think Nurkic is going to be looking forward to this series a lot. Yeah, I saw a picture of him down, um, I think it was like the 16th Street Mall. He was just walking around in one of his Blazers, in like his Blazers gear, just downtown. He he, he gets hated on a lot, but he's kind of a fun dude. Kind of a laid back man. I think he's a pretty good player, man, honestly. He he's is. One of, the, one of the better centers in the league, probably top 10 for sure. I mean, he just, he went up against Jokic. And uh, there's not a center in the league that wins that uh, position battle. That's it, man. Moving on, we got the Utah Jazz taking on now the Memphis Grizzlies, surprise team they're going to be facing. Solidified. Utah, number one in the West for almost wire to wire this season. Number one in the NBA for a good chunk of it as well. And yet, um, not necessarily getting a lot of respect. I mean, team people are picking them to win their first round series, but not make it beyond that, which is you know a little disrespectful when you're when you've been as good as Utah has been this season. How do you see this matchup with Memphis? Uh it's, I mean, it's not a good one for Memphis. Memphis is a young team still trying to learn the reps. Uh, I guess before I call it, I can do a little breakdown. I mean, look, you got John Moran out there. I kind of expect Utah to, to see how consistent his three-point shooting is. It's kind of – he's not as he's not a, an electric shooter as he is, uh, you know, getting to the rim and finishing on there. Um, Dylan Brooks, I guess, would be matched up against Donovan Mitchell. That should be a fun matchup to watch. Dylan Brooks pretty damn good defender. We saw it last night. I think this is probably over in five. This is, I mean, Utah's a more veteran team. They're kind of, they're kind of loaded, man. I mean, you, Bogdanovich and, and Ingles and Conley and uh, uh, the guy off the bench, not Crawford. I keep forgetting his name. Um, but, you, you know, you got Conley, you got Mitchell, and you got the, you got the sixth man of the year probably. Plus you got, you know, the best, second best, first, second, 
third best rim protector in the league, uh, Gobert, Gobert. I think this they're just gonna be a little too much for uh, Memphis this year. Probably get it done in five. So Utah's gonna come in. They're going to be hungry. I mean, there's still that taste in their mouth about losing that three-one lead to the Nuggets last year, even though Donovan Mitchell played amazing form. Um, this matchup is a really interesting matchup, though, because just on paper, like just, just looking at the matchups, I actually like Memphis here. I like the fact that Dylan Brooks can match up on uh, match up on Donovan Mitchell, has that length advantage, and is, is athletic enough to keep up with them. I like the fact that they have – two big guys inside in Jaron Jackson Jr. and Valanchunas to kind of to be able to match up with Gobert. Now, granted, this is a two-on-one that I'm talking about because Gobert is the best big man that's going to be playing in this series. But you have enough size, and with Jaron Jackson, athleticism to stick with him, especially comparing to what Golden State would have been able to throw out there. If this was a matchup against Golden State, yeah, so definitely I, more complete team than Golden State brings. So I like the matchup. I'm going to take Utah in this series though, because they're going to come in hungry because the Grizzlies do not have playoff experience coming into this, and it's very rare, it has, especially in the NBA, that a team comes in as raw as the Grizzlies are right now, and really make. A big run. So I'm going to take Utah in this series, but I'm going to take Utah in six. Well, you got the Grizzlies getting two of these, huh? Okay. I, I got the Grizzlies getting two of them. Yeah, next. I, uh, yeah, go, go oh, for it. Next up, we have the Phoenix Suns, the two seed out west, taking on a surprise seven seed in the Los Angeles Lakers. What is fascinating about this series is. It's a 2-7, yet the 7 is being favored by a lot of people because it's LeBron, because it's AD, because it's the damn Lakers. There you go. <laughs> Self-explanatory. I, I, they finished about, uh, what, nine games apart? So Phoenix clearly had a better regular season, a better you – know, again, the momentum word. They came in. They've been – a complete team basically the entire season. Chris Paul's kind of headed them up, got them in the right direction. Devin Booker's out there closing games, hitting big shots. Uh, you know, Miles Bridges hit some big shots. They've got a big man in DeAndre Ayton. I, think I like that, Ayton. Yeah, I, I, I do like Ayton. I think this is kind of where they fall short, though, is they have nobody else in the paint except for Ayton. Um, I mean, after that, they lean on like Frank Kaminsky, I think. Uh, I think Kelly Olynyk's on that team. Those guys aren't physical enough to uh, deal with Andre Drummond and Montrez Harrell and, and LeBron coming to the rim and, you know, Anthony Davis doing his thing. I think that's kind of where the separation is uh, in this series. I do think it – I got L.A. in six. Um, I think I've said this before. If there's anybody who can kind of outsmart LeBron or at least match his wit, it's, it's Chris Paul, man. Um, so I, you know, if there's anybody, it's, it's him, but I do think the Lakers probably just have a little too much this year. Yeah. Chris Paul, great addition for him. I said it a couple years ago, we just got done talking about the Grizzlies, but when the Suns were in position where if the lottery fell 
the way it was supposed to theoretically, the Suns would have ended up in position to draft John Morant. And I would have loved to see him on this team with Booker and Aiton, but they got their primary ball handler. They got their, their point guard now uh, with Chris Paul. And it's definitely made a difference on this team. Um, I think it gets overshadowed a little bit how well the Suns closed out last season. And in particular in the bubble going undefeated in the bubble and they really started to turn their season around even before that. But so this wasn't a team that was just garbage. And now all of a sudden is the two seed. This was a team that was already headed in the right direction. Chris Paul just gave him a big push, getting him up there to that two seed. Gigantic push. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a huge push. It gives the, me the, without Chris Paul, I think they probably still would have made the playoffs this year. No way they would have made a two seed without Chris Paul, but I still think they would have snuck in there uh, seven or eight. But with this matchup against the Lakers, you're going to be going up against Andre Drummond, Mark Gasol, Anthony Davis, and Montrez Harrell. But I forgot about Mark Gasol, yeah. And you're matching up against that with DeAndre Aiden. Nice, nice. And like you said, and then uh, Frank Kaminsky, like, come on now. <laughs> um, and that, that's, that's what got the Lakers through last year. That was the biggest thing kind of in their corner is they were just bigger and more physical than other teams. Uh, they didn't necessarily have that this year for a lot of the season. And then you brought in Drummond. And now you have the the tag team of sinners between Mark Gasol and Drummond and Anthony Davis, who on a lot of teams would be a sinner. He does not want to be a sinner, but he he has the body to be a sinner. And, and I just think the Lakers are going to be too physical. Um, you have LeBron as well, of course, and the Lakers end up winning the series as disrespectful as it is having the seven be the favorite against the two seed. It's a lot like the Nuggets from a couple years ago who were the two seed. Uh, And they ended up losing in the first round because they did not have the experience. They did not have that edge that they ended up coming back with the next season, coming back from two, three, one deficits. So I think the Lakers win this. And I'm going to say they win this in six. Yeah. I've uh, also got the Lakers in six. I'm kind of just checking out some of these numbers. Phoenix or yeah, Phoenix is nine and three in three point games, close games that come down to three. The Lakers seven and five. Ooh, not, not too many sweet different numbers here. Phoenix four and three in overtime games, the Lakers five and one. So maybe keep that in mind if they, if you get an overtime game or two, um, verse 500 teams, 27 and 11 for Phoenix, LA 16 and 22. Um, all that being said, yeah, Lakers and six. <laughs> Another thing that kind of jumps out to me here, though, because you hear a lot about Devin Booker and him being a scorer and everything, and he's average. He's averaging twenty five and a half points per game this season, but he actually isn't as efficient from beyond the arc as I would have kind of assumed from what I hear about him. I don't get to watch a ton of Suns games. I want obviously when they play the Nuggets, I watch them and I flip it on and I watch it once in a while when they're on national TV, but he's only a 34% shooter from beyond the arc. 
And that that's with what his role is, I kind of expected a little more, honestly, looking at his numbers. Yeah, I mean, look, he ain't no Steph Curry. He, he he's not quite Clay Thompson out there, but I mean, he's deadly. I, I'm not leaving it open. I I wouldn't leave him open at all from three. Thirty four percent is kind of is that for his career? Or is that for this this season? That's for the season. Okay, well, I kind of still expected to be a little higher than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I still kind of think he's more of a deadly three pointer like out shooter. I wouldn't leave him open out there. Next series to talk about is going to be the Dallas Mavericks against the LA Clippers. Clippers kind of um, tanked very hard in that last game of the season to get this matchup or maybe to avoid the Lakers. Either way, this is where they wanted to be against the Mavericks in this rematch from their playoff series from last year. And the Mavericks still have Donkic, they still have Porzingis, they still have Hardaway, they still have Brunson. They do not have Seth Curry, so they do not have that knockdown three-point shooter anymore, which I feel like was a really underrated loss for them. Last year, they made a good series out of, I believe, the Clippers won it in six. It was five or six. I believe it was six that they wanted in. Oh, yeah, they definitely wanted in six. Uh, Porzingis had gone down in one of those games, and he wasn't the same after that. Uh, what you said about Curry, yeah, I think that's a huge loss for them. Um, they do have Jalen Brunson. I, I don't think Jalen Brunson played last year in the playoffs. I could be wrong, but I thought he was injured. Um, either way, I like him as a backup uh, point guard. He's, you know, I think he's just as good as Monte Morris. Um, I got the Clippers in six here again. Yeah, I just think there'll be a little too much, just a, just a little too much uh, for the Mavs. The Mavs to me are kind of the they're kind of the same team as last year in a way. Um, you know, the loss of pieces again. I thought Brunson didn't play last year. I, I kind of feel like him being back will help a lot more. Um, Finney Smith has another year underneath his belt. Hardaway Jr. another year underneath his belt. Porzingis another year underneath his belt. Kleber Maxi Kleber another year underneath his belt. Um, Dwight Powell. I'll be interested to see what kind of lineups they put out there. The Clippers, yeah, man, I think they have a little too much. They can kind of play like Marcus Morris at center if if they, you know, if they got Porzingis out there, they can kind of play um, uh, Ibaka at center. I'm wondering how much DeMarcus Cousins is going to see time out there. I forget that he's on the team and he's had some pretty good games for him. Uh, not the guy he used to be, but pretty good player. I summarize it: Clippers and six. Uh, Luka Doncic probably averaging triple double, close to thirty something. I mean, dude's ridiculous. It, it'll be. I think the, I think this series actually favors the Clippers more this year than it did last year because no Curry and because they brought in uh, Ibaka and Ibaka is a better matchup for Porzingis than they had at all last year. I think they brought in Ibaka actually thinking about a rematch with the Nuggets and needing somebody who can match up better against Jokic than what Zubak could and especially than what Montrez Harrell could. And that's their answer was Ibaka. And consequently, that's a better matchup for Porzingis as well. Uh, you look at the best player on each team here. You got Kawhi, you got Donkic. Kawhi can match up against Donkic to an extent, but he can match up against Donkic way better than Donkic can match up against Kawhi. 
defensively. Uh, Nalgic is a better offensive player than Kawhi, but his defense is subpar. Right. So you look at all that. I'm actually, I I, I don't like saying because Dallas is actually one of my one of my more favorite teams to watch outside of Denver. Um, I love tall guys. So they have Porzingis there. I, I, I love tall guys that can shoot. I, I, it's, 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 it's fun. I, I, you wow. have a seven foot three Porzingis out there who can shoot like 40% from beyond the arc. And I think that's fun. That, that's part of the reason why like Bull Bull, I would love to see him get more run because he's a, he's a seven foot two, seven foot three guy out there who has some handles and who can shoot. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing Bobo have to guard uh, Porzingis for three or four possessions. Have to, you know, seeing how that goes for them. Um, yeah, no, I, I like Dallas too. They're probably one of my top three, four teams I like to watch the last couple of years, um, mainly because of Luca. I just, I mean, he sees. I mean, Luca's well. special to watch. Yeah, yeah, dude's a that dude's a ridiculously special player. Uh, uh, again, Clippers are six, man. That's what I got. I'm actually going to take Clippers. Uh, I think I'm going to end up taking Clippers in five. I, I think this is a better matchup for the Clippers this year, like I said, than it was last season. Uh, I, guess Tim, we, I guess we can both expect them to be more locked in and more team this year than they were, yeah. right? And and if the Mavericks are going to make this a series, they're going to need some big-time games from Tim Hardaway Jr. They're going to need a third person to to show up because – Donkic and Porzingis is not going to be able – mostly Donkic by himself is not going to be able to win this series. Porzingis is consistent, but he's he hasn't shown it yet in the playoffs. I mean, he did play in 43 games this season, which seems like a lot of games for Porzingis to play. But he hasn't necessarily shown it partially because of availability, but shown that he can be that big-time game-changer in the playoffs. Right. Yeah, I mean, you say he played forty something games. It never really feels like it, um, but he, he's he's a complete mismatch, though. You know, so he, seven foot three, he knock it down from the outside, take smaller guys inside. He's not as physical as you'd like him to be, but uh, you know, he's, he's definitely an impact player when he's out there. You definitely have to know where he's at. You um, actually, before we move on to the next series, uh, I saw you say something on Twitter and kind of throwing shade at Porzingis. Uh, just that when we traded them, we got better. You know what I mean? It's, it's, as far as the Knicks go, you know, they trade them, bring in Julius Randle, bring in R.J. Barrett, uh, Emmanuel I, Quigley, Thibodeau. Got, got better. Out, yeah, but, like, got better, like, three seasons later. It wasn't like nah, – I went uh, three. So, like, a season and a half. Well, I guess it's I guess it's a season two-ish, right? It's maybe season three. I thought this was – yeah, I thought this was season three. Season. But he definitely got moved, like, during the season, so it's like a half. Okay, two and a half. Um. But, hey, man, he, he wanted to go. It kind of seemed like the Knicks wanted to get rid of him. I, I think they're both in a better place. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Uh, that wraps up the West. What In the West, what series are you – what series do you think is going to be the best series? Ooh, probably that Clippers uh, – Clippers. Probably that lakers Sun series I think will be uh, – some real fun games to watch. I, I, I think the Suns are more than capable of staying in every Laker game. Uh, clearly the Lakers, I don't think the Lakers are going to get blown out too much. Um, but yeah, these should be some fun games. I mean, look, when you put Chris Paul next to a, a scorer, 
you know, that allows Chris Paul to kind of run the offense, get everybody else involved. And then, Hey, when it's, when it's clutch time, I can get the ball to this guy who's a scorer. And last time we saw Chris Paul was somebody who can really get it done. You know, they were a game away, a hamstring away from uh, taking down the greatest team of all time, the uh, Warriors. So I definitely think they have a shot, but the Lakers in six. And I think that's going to be the funnest one to watch. Flipping over to the East side, um, a conference that's a little more cut and dry as far as what teams have it, what teams don't. Uh, starting at the top here, we got the 76ers against the Washington Wizards, won their way into the eight seed. And the reward is the number one team in the East, the 76ers. What a reward. Awesome. I mean, awesome. Sixers are one of the top three teams in the East. I mean, they got the one seed. I don't necessarily love this team. Um, I, I think I've mentioned before. I don't. I don't love their dynamic duo. They're, they're they're top two in how they play together necessarily, in Embiid and Simmons. Um, the offensive end, right? It, yeah, often defensively, defensively. monster together. I mean, they are ridiculous together, which is kind of the only reason they're probably still hanging out together. Yeah, def- defensively, really good. I mean, tons of length there. And it's kind of funny for me to say this because, like we talked about, I tend to like bigger teams. I te- tend to like longer teams. And that is the 76ers. I mean, your top two players are, you know, seven one and six foot ten. <laughs> but I, I don't. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree. I mean, it basically comes down to you just wish Ben Simmons could shoot the ball or at least would shoot the ball. That right? would that's kind of that what would make is. such a huge difference. Um, is if Simmons was a threat offensively besides around the rim. Um, I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I do think uh, as far as this series goes, I think this series is kind of tailor made for him. Oh. Uh, they have like the Wizards have kind of been starting three guards. They've been putting out their, uh, they've been putting out Westbrook. They've been putting out Bill. They've been playing uh, Raul Neto, who's like the smallest of the three. So I mean, this is going to be, in, in my opinion, this should be the Ben Simmons series. Embiid's the best player, but you know sometimes other guys can take over, and I think this should be his series. He should be posting guys up. He should be getting to the rim on the break. I think he'll be matched up with Westbrook a lot, uh, making things tougher for Westbrook. And, and when I look at it, I think this should be his series to build some confidence, show somebody that you've taken a step. It's kind of funny because the 76ers and Embiid got a lot of attention this year, of course. Embiid got MVP attention. Um, there's a good chance he ends up coming in second to Jokic. Rightfully so, I believe. But it's kind of interesting because you you look at what MVP is. It's the most valuable player and then you look at the Sixers' win-loss record without Embiid, and it's percentage-wise actually better without Embiid. I don't know specifically who they played, though. <laughs> Matchups go into that, of course, a lot. It was just kind of funny looking at that, and it also kind of speaks to the team construction when you're having both Embiid and Simmons out there. It's just it it's not as smooth as each player individually out there with this team. I feel like you're right. I, uh, yeah, I guess for this, just for, I mean, just for this series, I don't think this is much, be much of a contest, but I oh. am looking forward to see how 
I mean, look, with those last three, four minutes coming, ben, you need Ben Simmons on the floor. Where's he at? Where Where is he at when Embiid has the ball? Because guys aren't guarding him. Where Where is he at on the floor at that point? Uh, what does he do? Is he setting screens? Is he cutting? Is he trying to space out? You know, where, where is he doing? Is he diving and rebounding? It, I, this I think this is a big uh, a big playoffs here for Ben Simmons. Beal averaged 31 points a game. I believe he came in second in the for the scoring title behind uh, Steph. But speaking of Curry's, we talked about his how uh, the Mavericks are going to be missing Seth Curry. He ended up on the 76ers and really filled a huge hole for this roster. I feel like that uh, the the three point specialist, if you will, who when Simmons is getting inside somebody he can kick out to and percentage wise, efficiency wise, actually more efficient than his brother, Seth Curry, uh, this season hitting 45% on his three point shooters. That's that Duke in him. Yeah. This is ridiculous from three that, I mean, that just goes without saying the whole family can shoot. When you got a guy like that out there, he just spreads the floor so much for you, dog. It just helps you. It helps you guys get to the rim. It just creates so much more space. I mean, it's, it's, he's, he's a, he's exactly what they need. Exactly what they needed. Um, since they lost JJ Redick a few years ago. And then Matisse Thibel, another guy to talk about on this Sixers roster, not for his scoring, but he is probably he he is their best perimeter defender. Uh, he set records in the NCAA for stealing out of Washington. Uh, who, if if you are Doc, okay, who are you putting Thibel on? Are you putting him on Beal or are you putting him on Westbrook? Uh, no, he's he's probably going to be on Beal. Uh, I think you put Ben on Westbrook. I'm actually going to push back on you on being the best perimeter defender on the team. I think it's Ben Simmons. Um, just because he can guard bigger guys too. Um, but yeah, Thibault is out there. He'll be chasing Bill around. And just because they have those two guys who are so good on defense, I think that's just going to be a little too much for uh, Washington to handle. Um, the other issue is, I guess, for Philly, if you flip the other way, Thibault can't shoot neither. You know, uh, you know, Ben no. won't look at the rim, but Thibault just won't make any shots. Um, he's kind of... He's almost Tony Allen. You can almost give him the Tony Allen treatment where you just don't pay attention to him. And it, again, not this series, but later series, that could be an issue if you're trying to play the Nets and you kind of need those guys to be out there on the floor, guarding Harden, guarding Kyrie, guarding Durant, but they don't have to be guarded on the other end. So just just something to keep in mind, something to watch for the later rounds. I, I don't think it'll be much of an issue this series, though. Uh, I got the uh, I got I got a sweep. I got a sweep here. No, no, I have a five. I have a five game series. Okay. Because I was, I'm going with the sweep. I think the Sixers sweep them, um, okay. and I do agree with you as far as the matchups go. Because Westbrook plays a little more physical than Beal does, and obviously Simmons, a lot better matchup physically. Yeah, for sure. I don't think you'll see Westbrook rocking the baby on Ben Simmons anymore. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, next up. We have the Brooklyn Nets, the super team out east, the team easiest to hate, because I do, against the Boston Celtics, a team that's kind of limped into the playoffs, kind of figuratively and and literally losing Jalen Brown, done for the season. I mean, if – 
this team was fully healthy, it'd be a really fun matchup. If you had Jalen Brown out there and Jason Tatum and Kimball Walker and Fournier, it'd be a fun, it'd be a fun matchup against Brooklyn. That's right. Evan Fournier is on the squad now. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. This to me, if Jalen Brown was healthy, this is going to be probably the most fun series to watch just because these teams are really roughly built the same three perimeter scores, three perimeter, you know, not defenders for the nets, but three perimeter scores on each side where they basically have to match up with each other. They'd have to guard each other on both ends. Um, but yeah, Jalen Brown hurt going down. That kind of hurts things. I was, I didn't think they'd ever match up in the playoffs, but I definitely was looking forward to it when I saw it. And then I kind of got disappointed immediately because Jalen Brown's hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do see the Nets sweep in this one. Yeah. The Celtics have not just had the best season all coming off of that bubble. Um, Evan Fournier, former Nugget. He's actually shooting right. on the season of right. uh, 40 a little over 46 percent from beyond the arc yeah he got that on like six shots a game yeah he could shoot the thing that is actually really efficient he was, could shoot, he could handle it yeah we remember how he was out here i mean he's even better <laughs> now uh, you know that he's been in the league for some while boston is a roster that i really like i loved when they made the move to bringing kimba i love the way that he fits with jalen brown and jason tame I love that. I I remember watching him when he went on his run at UConn back in the day, and I've always been a bit of a Walker fan since then. This I, is a. Uh, I I really like Kimba's game too. I like his fit with those guys. I do just feel like he's kind of hit like another, just like the next uh, part of his career where you know he's got a little more knee injuries. He's not as explosive. He's not as. Like, if this is four years ago, I think this is a different team. But uh, I kind of think Kim is slowing down a, just a little bit now. Yeah, and this is a roster that I, I like a lot of the pieces and how it's constructed, except for one huge hole. Uh, they don't have really any interior presence. Uh, for a lot of the season, they had Thais, who's six foot nine. I mean, Robert Williams is is another undersized center. Tristan Thompson another six foot nine center and when they had an opportunity to bring in somebody like um, Andre Drummond or LaMarcus Aldridge before he retired in the buyout market and then you you pass out you pass on that I I don't know yeah I mean it hurts there they uh I mean look had they got matched up against the Sixers they would have got destroyed too because they have no button to guard Embiid i I actually like Tristan Thompson more than other guys just because he's not seven foot two, but he does he does have a lot of strength, got a lot of butt. You can box guys out, but I also think he moves his feet well on the yeah, perimeter. On the, on the, yeah, you got you got to dunk and dunk. Um, but yeah, I, I do I do think he moves his feet well on the perimeter when he's got to guard guys. Um, I, I like Tristan Thompson. They do they just need another guy. They need another guy for sure. I, of course, I'm going to take Brooklyn in this series. Unfortunately, I, it hurts my heart too but I'm going to take Brooklyn in this series. I don't think it's a sweep, though. I think Tatum is going to be able to win one for the Celtics. Um, I disagree, but I hope so, because I love Tatum. So. And I think it's in one of the first two games, because um, then the Nets, they have their big three, but I, I, I think, I don't remember the exact number, but I think it's somewhere around like eight, like eight. games that they've actually played together. Mm-hmm. 
So, and they haven't really gotten that chemistry going. So that, that's why I think I think Tatum wins the Celtics a game in the first couple there before the Nets start to find a little bit of a rhythm in this series. So Nets and Nets and five. Brings us to another matchup from last year's playoffs. The Miami Heat taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. The Heat, the team that sent home the Bucks last year. A uh, Bucks team who was number one in the East the last it has was the last two or three seasons. They've been number one in the East. Oh, I want to say two. And this year drops down. They are now the three seed in the East. But I actually like this roster and I like this team better than I like the team from the last couple of years. Adding Drew Holiday, a efficient outside shooter and a really good primary ball handler and really good perimeter defender. Adding him to this roster was huge to me for Milwaukee and just the the construction of this roster. And they'll be going up against the Miami Heat team that really caught fire last year. Uh, Surprised me how well they played last year. But a lot of that was on the back of their three-point shooting. And that has not really been there this season. Um, Hero, their best player, well, Hero's not their best player, but Hero was on fire last year. Still good from beyond the arc, but only shooting 36%. Not near the clip that he was shooting last year, in particular in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler, best player on the Heat, shooting a very disappointing 24.5% from beyond the arc. I mean, Jimmy Butler's never really been known as a sharpshooter, but 24. sub 30% is oof. That's ouch. That's that's ugly stuff. Um, I uh, I got Milwaukee winning. I, I'm I'm basically in, in roughly agreement with you, man. Uh, they they didn't finish first this season, but the roster is better. Drew Holiday is an immediate upgrade in the playoffs over what Eric Bledsoe gives to you. Um, Chris Middleton is, in my opinion, taking another step uh, as far as his development. I think he can handle the ball a little better. I think he kind of creates his own shot a little bit better. And it, I mean, every year we just kind of watched him just get a little bit better. Um, Giannis is Giannis. Giannis is going to be ridiculous out there. You you really have to game plan to stop him. Um, I I just think Milwaukee will be hungry. I think Milwaukee will be a little mentally tougher this year. Miami has not. Miami was kind of like Phoenix, where they came in. You know, the Phoenix came into a bubble, went eight and zero, but they had no no real shot at making the playoffs. But Miami was kind of hot right before we went to the bubble, um, and continued that that streak, that confidence, that shooting all the way through and you know they did what they did i just think drew holly is going to be a little too much this year for uh for jimmy or whoever you really put him on they'll play dante divincenzo Tory craig's on the team you know former nugget um who am i forgetting on that team over there brooke lopez pj tucker like they have the ability i think this year they're a little bit more uh versatile bobby portis is on that team and i keep forgetting he's on the squad mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um I just don't think Miami comes in. I don't think Miami has the same swagger as they do last year, but I definitely think the, I, I do think Miami thinks that they have Milwaukee's number. Like I think both teams wanted this matchup. I think both teams are looking forward to this matchup. I'm looking forward to this matchup low key. 
but I'll take Milwaukee. I'll take Milwaukee in six. I, I'm actually in agreement with you. I think Milwaukee wins this in six. Uh, Milwaukee's probably my favorite team out east um, to watch, and possibly my favorite team out east to like my favorite to win the east. It's it'll be interesting. I'm going to take Milwaukee here in six. Ante Kumbo, is he going to be able to step up in the playoffs? That's going to be a huge narrative around not just this series, but probably more importantly, his next series, presuming that the Bucks and the Nets both advance, both advance. That's going to be a big series, a big series for Ante Kumbo and what he does on the defensive end of the court against in particular because of there was a bit of a narrative last year that he did not want to match up against uh, Jimmy Butler. And he would not take the one-on-one matchup or whatnot. I I, I remember them talking a lot about that last year. I, I, yeah, I I believe he was kind of taking the, uh, at least, at least towards the media, his response is more, you know, I just do what the coach asks you know, I, I just play the role that the coach asked for. You know, it's kind of a – it's always been a macho thing. You know, Jordan used to take the challenge. Jordan would just tell guys, I'm going to go lock him up. Kobe would just <laughs> – you know how that goes. So people wanted to hear more of that from him. Oh, you're the alpha male of the team. This is You need to just do what you want kind of thing. Um, yeah, it, it is what it is, buddy. It is what it is. Uh, and I, I don't necessarily think he – shied away from anything i don't think that was something where he's like uh jimmy butler intimidates me or anything like that i think no. I, I i think that that got made into a much bigger deal than it really was right. but it's something that's going to follow him into this playoff series and it's presuming that they advance a huge chance for him to prove it in the next series i right. Kind of wish that the seeding played out a little different. That either the the Nets or the Bucks ended up with that one seed. Because uh, conference final matchup, huh? I want uh, that Nets Bucks. I think that I'm getting a little ahead of myself, obviously. But if that ends up being the matchup, I think that's going to be the the best series of the entire playoffs. That the I love the way the Bucks match up with the Nets. But again, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. All right, yeah, we'll slow it down because you never know. I guess Miami could get them out of there in five again. Oh, yeah. I uh, mean, and if if, if got, we had recorded this show yesterday, we, we would have had the Warriors playing the uh, playing the Jazz instead of the Grizzlies. So you, you never know. Yeah, you never know. But I'm going to take Milwaukee in, in six. Yep, Milwaukee in six. Agreeance. The last series to talk about here is when the Atlanta Hawks taking on the New York Knicks. Probably, well, I'm I, not even probably, for sure, the most close matchup out east. Yeah, I. Uh, I guess I'll just start by saying Knicks in seven, but. This is definitely going to be – this is a battle of, you know, the Knicks were like a top three defense in the league this year, and the Hawks are like a top five offense. Like, this is the complete opposite battles. Um, you you got this team is led by uh, – the Hawks are led by Trey Young, a, a small point guard, who I have no, no clue where they're going to put him at when it's time to play defense. The Knicks are led by a big, forceful power forward who's been hitting like all his jump shots this year. Um, 
also a really good passer, rebounder, ferocious inside, all that stuff. Uh, But yeah, this is going to be an exciting matchup. I think the uh, Hawks will get Hunter back, which would be another body to kind of throw around out there on on Randall or on Barrett. Um, But I do wonder what the Hawks are going to do. Like, I do wonder who is going to guard Derrick Rose because Derrick Rose does not start, but he's basically the starter. Derrick Rose (laughs) could end up being that kind of that, that dark horse to kind of be that huge impact player in this series and kind of the player that swings the series for the Knicks. Yeah. 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 Uh, Julius Randle, he's probably going to win most improved player. I saw that him, uh, MPJ and Jeremy Grant were the three finalists for most improved player. That's a really good race, actually, this year. We didn't really talk about that, but that's uh, three three players that are well-deserving of it. I, For my money, it would go Randall, then MPJ, then Grant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if MPJ will get second, though, because of the stage he is in his career. And sometimes, you know, he's in his second year, third year technically, but second year playing in the league, and whether or not, that expected jump that you get then will be held against him. I don't think so. Like, I think he'll definitely finish second. I think, I don't think there's any way you can pass Julius. Julius is no. the number one option and led his team into a fourth seed. Right. I mean, there's a gap in the East, but they, they're the top of that. They're the top team in that after that gap closes. Um, yeah. I think it's well-deserved. And uh, you know, as a Nuggets fan, we could talk real quick about Jeremy Grant. He was, I thought Jeremy Grant was kicking butt this season. And then, uh, you know, Detroit decided they needed to tank, so they decided to sit him down. And uh, I think he did get injured at one point, but they decided to just kind of sit him down after that. Okay, Jeremy Grant was was playing well, but the team was not playing well. It, it, it was kind of one of those situations where you're going to shine in the mud. I mean, there, there's not much around him there, so – he is one of them, he had every opportunity to do everything yeah in detroit for sure um but julius randall really stepped up and shined this year averaged 24 points a game 10 rebounds and six assists um almost kind of reminds me of draymond green in his in his prime in like the 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 heyday of draymond green i don't think so man no the opposite to me dog I, I, I like so, really? I like them both. I like them both. Draymond to me is a much superior defender. Um, Julius Randle is a much superior offensive player. <laughs> I mean, we saw some of those floaters Draymond threw up last night in the game. That's why I said Draymond in his prime. Like when they, I, I forget which year it was, but when they went on their run and like won it all, he was shooting like forty three percent from beyond the arc. Yeah, that was ridiculous. No, yeah, I remember that. That yeah, 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 yeah. But. Julius Randle is not a one-man show for the Knicks. They do have, we mentioned Derrick Rose, but then R.J. Barrett in his second year has really stepped up his game as well. He, this yeah. year, shooting 40% from the on the arc, which I believe, I was looking at this earlier, I believe that's an 8% increase over his rookie season. I believe he was only shooting 32% last year, which is a big jump and something you really needed to see from R.J. Barrett. You spent the high draft capital on him. And he came in with a lot of expectations and really fell flat. And in a market like New York, you can't really afford to fall flat. The fan base will turn on you quick. You saw that with Chris Stops. And he really 
stepped it up this year. A uh, quick note, the, net, the Nets, the Knicks have seven guys averaging 10 points or more, which is uh, it's a nice number to have there. Uh, Alfred Payton's right at 10. Reggie Bullock, I think, is actually a little bit underrated this season. He's been knocking down threes. Um, he's having about 11. Emmanuel Quickly, the rookie. Alec Burks, another forgotten player who's kind of been like on like 10 teams. Um, you always hear good stuff about him, but he's always getting traded around. He's at about 13 points. He's going to be like guys. These are guys that they rely on. And uh, when I look at these roster, I, I, I'm definitely saying that the – I definitely believe the Hawks have the more talented roster, so that kind of scares me a little bit. But yeah. I, I do trust more of the Knicks' defense. I will – I do think that they'll come away with this. But, yeah, I think this is going to be a seven-game series. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, goofiness and sloppiness at the end of games because these are still young teams, um, or at least – teams led by young players but I, I it'll be entertaining One, and so mitchell robinson is a guy who got hurt a couple months ago we'll see if he makes it back for this series i think he would be a big piece for the knicks if he's back on the defensive end of the court oh yeah That's because the hawks they have one of the more fun roster constructions uh constructions to me it's not a team that's built i I, i'm not saying i love this roster because i think it's going to win a championship or anything but you have trey young out there uh a talented distributor of the ball he also chucks up a lot of shots but you pair him up there with john collins and with um clint capella athletic bigs inside who you know can jump capella or great lob finishers like they'll finish oops through this series trey young will probably have like 20 plus oops just just to those guys in this series and you're then you have danilo gallinari a six foot ten wing you throw him out there at small forward and i mentioned before i i love height i love length and you have that you have a lot of that on this team and it's kind of built because Trey Young is such a chucker. He's not necessarily the most efficient at it, only shooting 34% from beyond the arc, but he's going to get his shots up and the team's built for him to do that. Cause then you have these, you have one of the best offensive rebounders in the entire league in Clint Capella. And then you have John Collins as well there who can go and grab those offensive boards and then finish it afterwards. I, I just like the way this this roster. I, I think it's a fun roster. You yeah, have Bogged in there as well to shoot. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Kevin Kevin Werter can shoot the thing. Gallo can shoot the thing when he's going. Um, quick question: What do you what do you think? Uh, you know, a lot of people forgot Lou Williams got traded to this team. How do you think he will? Uh, how much of an impact do you think he has? Bait, you know, there's a lot of guards to play. It is. Um, oh, Lou Williams will. Lou Williams, like a lot of his career, probably the sixth man there, and he might be able to swing a game for them. I don't expect him to have necessarily a huge impact because of the team he's on. What they need and what what they lack is not shooting. It's not offense. Right. So yeah. he'll he'll get buckets, but it's not necessarily – yeah. what the team is going to need. 
Yeah, and I don't think there's any way they can really afford to play, you know, Trey Young and Lou Williams at the same time. Oof, I mean, there's no, no. between those two guys. All right, man. Well, I got Knicks in seven. You know, where are you where are you riding with this one? I feel like the series will somewhat. I, I like I said, I think Robinson, if he returns for the series, would be huge. If Robinson plays, I would take the Knicks. If he's not playing. I think I'm going to end up taking the Hawks in seven. So you don't trust Nerlens Noel, huh? All right. No, I, I don't really trust Noel. No. I, I mean, I, I think Mitchell's just, a, he's an upgrade defensively. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. So we, we've gone through all the series here. I want to ask while we're wrapping up this show today, is there a dark horse team for you in this playoffs? A team that's, you know, isn't necessarily getting the respect. Yeah. Uh, when, we, when we talked off air about this, uh, it's the jazz for me. It's, it's weird to see a number one seed is dark horse, but I think it's the jazz. I do think they're a complete team. Um, I, I, one of the stats that I trust is point differential. They've got, they've got a real good one. They, they lead the West at point differential. Um, I don't think there's any team that's going to necessarily play Gobert off the floor. This year, the Rockets, you know, that Rockets team is done. That that Warriors team isn't around anymore. Um, so I think for most matchups, he's going to be able to last out there. Yeah, I think it's Utah. We're just saying number one seed, but they're not getting that respect. So Utah is the dark horse. And I, I'm kind of in the same boat with you, except I'm going with the two seed out west. I think the Suns are getting slept on a lot. I think it's it's a team, their bench unit leaves a lot to be desired but that starting unit is some is a dangerous starting unit chris paul devin booker aiden you throw out there uh crowder with his three and d capabilities and i think the suns are kind of they're the dark horse which again weird because they're a two seed but they're the dark horse for me yeah man good choice all right. Well, that's going to do it for this playoff preview edition. Uh, you've been listening to the EMP Sports Show. My name is Mike Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, AK Coach Jones. My boy Flip here. Follow me here on uh, Twitter, Instagram, same place. Flip Ramey, F L I P R A M E Y. Hit me up there. We can argue a little bit as long as I don't get too annoyed. Here we go. <laughs> All right, give this podcast a follow, give it a like, recommend it to your friends. Until next time, this is the EMP Sports Show signing off.